talking about. I'm not working as hard as I used to. It's now I have to do two sermons a day, kind of like he does. I got to do one for the teenagers, and today I got to do one for this afternoon. But it's a joy and a pleasure to get to do it. So, and uh, yes, Jeanette, you are welcome to say Amen whenever you want. It's encouraging, and so is everyone else. The invitation is open. I have to sing. Oh, okay, I don't. She might do that number instead of the whole amen. So, all right, turn if you will at this time in your Bibles to James chapter two. Um, been a while since I preached. Last time I uh, preached, we looked at the first part of James, where it talks about not having respect of persons. Uh, this time, I'm going to attempt to do justice to a um, very. Uh, I would say controversial portion of Scripture. It's not controversial if you place it in the context of Scripture as a whole, but um, if you take it out of context or view it solely on its own, then it does lead to confusion. So we'll be looking at that starting in verse 14, uh, where it says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works." Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith is faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And let us open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, please use me as a conduit for your word. Please, Lord, cleanse my mind of all other things and help us all put the other things that crowd into our mind out of our attention and help us, Lord, be able to study your word and understand it and to grow in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll title the message, for those of you keeping notes, I still have not mastered the art of the PowerPoint like our, um, like my uh, boss. So I guess you are my boss now, so I can call you that. All right. Um, the title, if you're keeping track, is Get to Work. Kind of, I think that's kind of appropriate. Labor Day's coming up. Uh, uh, it will be the first time in my life that I have Labor Day off. I know some of you who spent your early years working in either the military or in uh, back-breaking construction careers um, don't get Labor Day off very often. The people doing the hardest work don't get Labor Day off. I always found that ironic. But when we're looking at this passage here, we're going to look at works. And you see right off the bat there, 
Some people misinterpret that verse 14 where it says, What doth the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? A lot of people, um, I know this, trying to witness to co-workers, fellow Marines as well. In particular, the one that comes to my mind is a fellow Marine. He was a Assembly of God. I believe that was uh, the denomination he claimed. Whenever we talked about salvation, and I would try to point out to him where it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. So I'm through faith. It is not of, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Every time I tried to take him back to that and show him, you have to view it in the context of Scripture and all the other Scriptures talking about faith, he would always get stuck up on that one little portion of the verse there. And to give you some historical context, um, many in this area are Lutheran, so many of the people you'll be witnessing to, including some that I've tried to witness to, they are Lutherans. And they struggle with this passage as well. Um, Martin Luther, founder of the Lutheran faith, he said that um, he did not believe, he looked at this and he believed that uh, the book of James should not even be in the canon of Scripture. Because if you, um, those of you that studied the Reformation know that Martin Luther's claim to uh, come to Christ when he was doing a study in Romans. And Romans, um, we just went through that a couple of uh, Sunday nights ago, or we're still doing that. And it talks a lot about faith and what it is, because the Romans were a people of work. But let's put this into context. This uh, James was written well before any of the Pauline epistles were written. So these men were not disagreeing. These men were not in disagreement. And you also have to look at who the epistles were written to. Once again, context. Um, as I said before, James right here, he was the brother, he was a half-brother of Jesus. And he was also the pastor at the church at Jerusalem. We know he died a martyr's death when Jeru- right about the time right before Jerusalem was conquered, sacked, and burned to the ground by the Romans. That was when he died as a martyr. He was thrown from the top of the temple, according to some. When I say some, that is because many of the records of Jerusalem and what happened in the city at that time were destroyed because the entire ruling class was wiped out. So we know that these men were not in conflict, and this is not a conflict in Scripture. Turn in your Bibles very quickly to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be looking at uh, verse 22. And we see there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. These passages here, they are, some people call them texts dealing with signs, dealing with showing your work. And remember, the book of James was written to uh, primarily to a Jewish audience by a Jewish pastor who pastored Jews. So therefore, he is talking about signs. He's not telling them they have to work for their salvation. It, and that's another reason we have to keep everything in context. We see in that verse, the Greeks seek after wisdom. These are not texts that deal with salvation. That has already been covered. James has already preached on that many times. So therefore, we look at those things. We see that these are texts dealing with 
how we work on our faith, how we bolster our faith, and how we are, whenever you see justified in these passages, because you'll see it, it is not talking about being justified before God. It is talking about being justified before other men. It is to make it so that our faith has weight with other men. Um, the reason I titled the message, Get to Work, um, those of you who are in any type of management position, you have seen people who talk the talk and they will sound just absolutely amazing in a job interview. They'll tell you how great they are, what all their experience is, what they can do to make this company so much better. And then first day on the job, they're doing great. First week on the job, okay, some things are starting to show up that probably shouldn't. And then you come to realize that, okay, this guy was all talk. That's what this verse is talking about. We talk about it, say, what doth it profit? This verse is talking about profit. And how is profit measured in the Christian life? It is measured by growth. It is measured by your own personal growth and your own walk with your Savior and with witnessing and leading others to Christ. So it's not going to help us lead others to Christ if all we do is talk and we don't show any of the work. And the number one area, the first area he mentions here, and I believe it's the number one area where we fall short in the eyes of the world, is you look there in verse 15 through about uh, 17, says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, that's talking about one of your fellow believers, so if you see one of your fellow believers that is lacking their physical needs, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? One of the greatest areas where I myself has failed as a Christian, where I see other Christians failing, is we don't help other Christians out with their own daily needs. And I know the struggle, trust me. I, I started working in the ministry in Gary, Indiana, where it seems like in, in an area where it seems like everybody has a need and nobody, everybody is downtrodden. And <laughs> you look at people, you think that, wait a minute, I thought we lived in America. Or, I thought you could move out of your bad situation and move towards a good job. You guys seriously can't do these things. And you do have to be judicious with the resources God has given you. However, many times I myself, I got calloused to the the people who were poor and destitute, and I did. I was a little too harsh on some of them who were honestly needy. And you, we can't be that way. That presents a terrible testimony. And just like um, we, as Christians, we are a family. It uses a term there, brother and sister. We're to treat our fellow believers much as we would treat our brother and, and sisters, and not in the juvenile way, as my brother and I treated each other, and that we constantly fought and constantly rivaled, and everything was a competition to see who could one-up the next one, who could, who could really lay the smack down, who could surprise the other one. Not that kind of juvenile um, uh, sibling relationship, but the sibling relationship where... You see someone in need, you help them out. You give them a little bit of advice. Hey, I've been there before, and um, so on and so forth, in the mature uh, way. 
I always used to say that um, to love someone, you're supposed to love your fellow Christians with brotherly love. (laughs) You didn't see my childhood. That gives me a lot of liberty, buddy. You do not want me to love you with brotherly love because it is going to be tough love. No, so we're not talking about that. I have matured in Christ since then, I believe. So that should not be an issue. And then we look on even further down in uh, verse 18. It said, A man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, looking in that verse there, we see that it is impossible. How is someone supposed to know you have faith if they don't see it? If it doesn't bear any fruits, if you don't have any works to back it up? It's impossible. And it talks about how, and some people I would even witness to about being saved, they have this response, well, I, I believe in God. I, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to say a prayer. I don't need to study my Bible. The Bible says we're supposed to um, search out our salvation and to try it with much trembling, and we're supposed to be convinced in it, not saying that you should go around wondering, am I saved, am I saved, am I saved? But no, it does help to have a time and place you point back to where, okay, this is where God laid it on my heart. These are the verses I read. I understood what I needed to do in order to be saved. I needed, I wasn't able to save myself. It's by grace through faith. And it's uh, in Romans, there, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But people who say they just believe in God, or you claim, oh, I believe in God, that's nothing. You see in verse 19, the devils also believe and tremble. So even the devils, even the members, even people who are individuals or entities, angels, fallen angels, whatever you want to call them, they are, I shouldn't say whatever you want to call them, fallen entities and demons, they believe in God. And they can't be saved. They're going to hell. They occupy hell. So belief, just believing that there is one God is not enough. And it's verse 20, just reiterating the point, but without no, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. We often see that the people who try to just live on their faith and what they say and try their excuse for not having any works or anything to show for it, these are often very vain people who just think about themselves and not anything else, not much else. And then we look at how Uh, individuals in the Old Testament, how their faith was shown. Verse 21, it says, Was not Abraham our father? Here, Here, once again, reiterating the point that this book was written primarily to the Jews. So we know what things that, uh, what kind of issues uh, James would be addressing when he uh, penned penned this epistle. Says, was not our father a father, or was not Abraham our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Now, Abraham is known as a man, even today, as a man of great faith, and he was revered even more by the Israelites and by the Jews. They still point to him as their father, and he is their father. And what really set him apart, one of his final tests, Abraham had many tests. He had to leave his homeland when he was a pretty old man. He wasn't a young 23-year-old striking out on his own. Many people think he was about in his uh, 70s 
when he struck out for the promised land. And you see how many things he suffered and went through on his journey there. But the cherry on top was the son he had in his old age, the son that God promised him, now God's telling him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And we all know the story. The last minute as Abraham had the knife, Abraham went so far through all this, he had over the altar, his son bound on the altar, the fire ready, and the wood there. He had the knife above his son, the promised son, and that is when God stopped him at the very last minute. And that shows Abraham's faith. In verse 22 it says, Seest then how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. See the principle here that our faith, we all need to grow in faith. Our faith needs needs work. We need to work on it. It needs to be honed. It needs to be pruned. Much like a... um, Athlete, as professional football season now coming upon us in college football season. Uh, though I know many of you follow that here. But these men, they uh, oftentimes, I find it very funny. I like to watch because the team I follow, they don't get the top star recruits, the team that I, college team I follow. So it's always amazing to me how five star recruits come out of high school go into college, they have all this potential in the world. You got it all. They don't work on it at some of these bigger schools, and they fall through. If you look at uh, in college football, you look solely at recruiting classes. Um, there, sh- there are three regions of the country that should their school should always be number one, two, and three. And whenever they are not, It's not always a recruiting failure, it's a coaching failure. And just like that talent that those college athletes come to to college with, and they get on the field, if they haven't worked on it, if they haven't perfected it, if they haven't put it to the test, it means nothing. It's the same way with our own faith. We can have all the faith in the world. We know where faith comes from. Faith comes from God. God gives every man a measure of faith. But what we do with that faith... And what we're able to accomplish with it depends a lot on our works. And that's what James is talking about here. And we can we see from this a principle that we can all grow in faith. Because, you see, I like to break down the verses. You look at the first part, seeth how faith wrought. Wrought there simply means worked. And something how faith worked with his works and by works, that's a lot of works in one sentence there, was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, I don't believe God ever called Abraham a friend of God. That's what other people called him. People saw his works. We see here that by grace and through faith are we justified before God. Well, actually, I'm skipping ahead of verse. Let's read verse 24. So ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. And at first we see that verse talking about being justified. That's not talking about being justified before God. That is talking about being justified before other men. That is talking about being uh, justified before your co-workers, before your fellow students, at high, uh, those of you that are still in school, the young folks, and um, even those of you um, who are homeschooled. Uh, that are older than your um, younger siblings. 
You need to set an example for them. Or maybe you are in the situation where you are a younger sibling, that you've come to Christ and your siblings haven't. Or maybe you attend church and your siblings don't. They need to see your works. And your faith and your talk isn't going to be enough for them. We see in verse 25, moving quickly along here, it says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works. Now, being a harlot, even still today, is something that is despicable, and it always should be. But at that time, it was multi- just how much it was looked down upon. Multiply that many, many times. Someone who had taken that line of work or chosen that path for their life was pretty much excluded from doing anything for God, and many believed that once you had taken that path and sold yourself, that was equivalent to selling your soul to the devil, which we know can't happen because our soul is not ours to sell. Um, it's either our soul either belongs to our father, the devil, when we are born, or when we accept Christ as our Savior, then our soul belongs to Christ. <coughs> our soul is not ours to pawn off. But that, just as an illustration, but even that, someone in that line of work was justified by her works, and she was one of the four, uh, one of the uh, mentioned in the lineage, I'm not sure what you would call that, great, 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 how many ever greats, grandmother of Christ, going back quite a few years. And she, had, and she did that with one simple act. When she received the messengers, the people who were to spy on the city of Jericho, she kept, she kept them safe, committed treason against her own city, because she knew, as the city of Jericho had known all along, that it would be overthrown. And she recognized who the one true God was. Saw the writing on the wall. And now we come to the kicker in this. And that's the last verse says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And this is talking here about how, I don't know how many of you here have um, been to a funeral or been to a wake and you've passed by the casket. Normally is it lays in front of an auditorium and, the relatives go by. Oftentimes, that body, everything is still there. You can see everything. The arms are normally folded over. Hands are still there. All the joints, eyes are there. All the skin's there. Everything is there for the body to work. But there's no spirit. The spirit is gone. And even though everything that you literally need, all the ligaments, all the muscles, all the internal organs, is still there, body can't do anything. I want you to think of that body as faith. <coughs> and as the faith that I believe everyone here has accepted Christ as their Savior, know most of you. And you have that faith, but if you're not performing the works... If you're, not, if you're not showing the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't have your walk with God, if you're not in prayer, your, your faith isn't going to produce anything. And all of us 
We ought to be fearful because we are going to stand before a holy and righteous God at some point. May it be, maybe He'll come back tomorrow or heaven forbid something happens where we are taken from this earth early. Or may it come if you live to a ripe old age of a hundred plus years old. That's not unquestionable in our time. But all of us will answer to a holy and righteous God for what we have done with the faith that He has given us and the grace He has given us and what He did when He sacrificed His only Son, His only begotten Son, He didn't have to do for us. When you look at it that way, works, it's still hard. I'm never going to say it's going to be easy. But once you start doing things to live the Christian life, you start showing the fruits of the Spirit, you begin witnessing. I'll give you a personal example. first time I went out, um, I was called by the pastor in Maryland, soul winning. This was the first time I had gone out soul winning. I had, oh man, I was a Marine. I, was, I can't remember. I don't think I was even a PFC yet. I was still, I was pretty young. I had never really been out and talked to a complete stranger about God and about salvation. And <clears throat> the pastor that kind of took me along, he kind of used some bribery and some arm twisting to get me to do it. He had the leverage to do that because he himself had been a Marine, I believe it was about eight, ten years prior. So he's like, come on, I can do this. You're an infantry Marine. I thought you guys were tough. You guys weren't afraid of anything. You're afraid of handing out a tiny little two-by-four piece of paper that tells people about your Lord and Savior. Come on, all you got to do is just hand it to the guy. And he's egging me on all day because I don't want to do it. I was like, dude, come on, you're the pastor. You talk to him. You know more about this. So he finally gets me to do it, and I'm sitting there presenting the gospel, <laughs> spitting and stuttering and going about like, and sir, and you see in um, Rome, uh, I think, yes, Romans. Yes, yes, yes. Romans 3.23. <laughs> For all have said, come short of the glory of God. And you know John 3.16, right? And the guy's like, yes, I know John 3.16. And he's just nodding. This gentleman, he didn't make it easy. He's just nodding his whole way through it. Well, come to find out, this man had already accepted Christ as his Savior, and he had enjoyed very thoroughly watching me sweat in front of him as I presented it with the gospel. He gave me a few tips on my presentation and sent me on my way. I was very embarrassed. But, but the pastor was, uh, he got a kick out of it too. He never let me live that down. So <laughs> that time it was very hard. But the next time, it wasn't as hard. I was like, okay, know your verses. Bookmark your Bible exactly where you're going to go so that you're not fumbling around like a fool. Get it done. And it was a little bit easier. I'm still spitting, spattering, stummering, sweat running down my eyes. I can't read my Bible, trying to wipe my eyes and get on the Bible and all that. Yeah, so all of that to say, by the time, I'm not saying I know perfectly how to present someone with the gospel. Uh, that probably will never happen. However, it got much easier. And you have to, just like with anything, the first time you do something, uh, we had to say in the Marine Corps, the first guy through the wall gets bloodied. First time you do something, it's probably going to hurt. You're probably going to mess some things up. I mean, for crying out loud, the first time I drove a tractor, I almost knocked down a grain silo. Now, I'm off, now 10 some odd years later, I'm operating heavy equipment for a living and have been accident-free for two years. So <laughs> hopefully keep that up. So just that goes to say, your faith needs work. And even your works 
need work, as we see in verse 22. So the final thing I'll give you as a challenge before I hand off the pastor here and uh, for the Lord's Supper that we have, I just ask you to go out and if you haven't presented anyone with the gospel in a very long time or you've never done it, there are people here who are in, I mean, I'll put you out there, Brother Thompson. I'll put myself out there. Brother Thompson ministers to folks in the jail. I can't think of a more intimidating environment than doing it. I'm sure he'd be happy to give you some pointers, even though you do have a captive audience, quite literally. So I don't know. Pastor and I would be happy to tell you about that. Happy to tell you how to witness to folks. So, and I would ask you, just give it a shot. Because you can have all the faith in the world, and if you just sit on it and don't do anything with it, then it's dead and it's not producing anything for Christ. So that is my challenge for you, and I will hand it off to Pastor this time.